episode 112 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on May 20th, 2021. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week on the show, we are in week four of Galactic Season 1. I'm enjoying it, it's fun, but it's long, and this is where the grind begins. Also this week, I'll fire up the Wayback Machine and continue my story project as we venture to Alderaan. And finally this week, 2021 marks the 30th anniversary of Heir to the Empire. Where the bleep did all that time go? And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed. And cue the moron. Welcome to episode 112 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. Well, Game Update 6.3 has come and gone, so to speak. The story was good, albeit short. Flashpoint was fun, and we are now in the middle of week four of Galactic Season 1, which is where I'd like to start today. Now, last episode I told you that I was looking forward to Galactic Seasons because I'm a carrot and stick kind of guy and can handle a bit of grind from time to time, but even I have my limits and I can only handle so many carrots before I want to end the chase. And that's one of the things I like about Galactic Seasons is that I can predict how long the chase will last or could last. The season is very predictable. There are a finite number of points that you can earn each week. It's fixed. If you're a subscriber, you can earn 74 points each week. For everyone else, you get 48. That means if you started on day one and earn the max number of points each week, your season will end the week of July 6th if you're a subscriber and the week of August 17th if you're not. And if you're so inclined and consider me so inclined, you can set up a handy dandy spreadsheet and figure out when your season might end if you want to take a day off here or there. And there's the rub. If the login reward system was designed to get you to log on every day, then Galactic Seasons is meant to get you to log on and play every day. And play every day you must or you will lose points. And I'm just going to tell you that from here on out today, I'm going to use the subscriber numbers. It's just easier. So even though you can earn 74 points per week, those points are earned by completing daily and weekly objectives. If you don't play on Tuesday, you're down six points for the week. There's no way to make that up by playing the game. And I'll talk about cartel coins in a minute. So each day you skip, you lengthen the time you'll need to complete the season. Skip enough days or weeks and you risk not being able to complete the season. Which I think is kind of a good thing. It's nice to have some buffer and it's also nice to have a little pressure and know that completing the season actually takes some work and isn't just an afterthought. Also, if you log on with the intention of just doing your priority objectives, you might find yourself sticking around to do 
a little more, or in my case, getting invited by Marcus from Working Class Nerds to join his Working Class Nerds community night, which was a great night of running various operations. And yes, I did not get my priority objectives done that day, and that's okay, because there is some buffer built in, and even I need to take a break from the genocidal war being commuted against the Geonosians right now. And therein lies probably the biggest problem with Galactic Seasons, the priority objectives don't seem special, and they're certainly not different. They are variations of things we already do for conquest, and maybe for fun. The weekly objectives are fine, but the daily ones sometimes feel a bit awkward. Do three heroic quests, which I do, and instead of feeling good about getting priority objectives done, I feel bad about not completing the remaining heroics that are, say, needed to complete the daily or weekly for that particular planet. The rerolls is fine, although it seems like it mainly serves as a get out of galactic starfighter for free card. The big unknown right now is when this first season will end. Bioware said it should run for approximately five months. For my own purposes, I'm having season one end the week of September 28th. I think that's the earliest it might end, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ran longer. If that's the case, and if everyone earns their maximum points each week, then subscribers will have 12 weeks of buffer, while everyone else will have 6 weeks of buffer before the season ends. Of course, if you find yourself falling behind or just want to skip ahead, you can purchase levels using cartel coins. Cost 100 coins per level. If you wanted to purchase the entire season, you could do it today for the grand total of 10,000 cartel coins. If you're a subscriber, you'll earn 4,000 cartel coins from various levels and potentially 3,000 additional coins for five months of monthly subscriber rewards, as well as having a security key, meaning you might only have to pony up for 3,000 coins to complete your season. I'm not saying this is a great use of cartel coins. I'd much rather spend them on items and unlocks. But if you want your season to end today, you can buy your way to the end right now which seems to defeat the whole purpose of the system, unless part of the purpose was to tempt folks who didn't want to do the work to shell out some real money. Eventually, there will be an option to buy levels with credits. No word on when that will happen, but it is coming. I did want to say a couple of things about the rewards. I like that we got the companion on level one, and I love the amount of influence that's granted from those special gifts. I'd love to see this level of gift introduced for all companions and not just this new one. Galactic Season 1 is in Week 4. The first three weeks were bolstered by a new story and Flashpoint and an amazing double XP week. Story and Flashpoint are old or oldish and the double XP is gone. This is where the grind begins. <laughs> want to review the story introduced in 6.3 as well as go back and talk about the amazing conclusion to the Sith Emperor story, but until I get my act together, I want to fire up the Wayback Machine and continue my story project. In this episode, we come to the conclusion of Act 1. Alderaan's not far away. It's coming right up. 
I now want to continue with my story project that I started on what seems like a lifetime ago. What I'm attempting to do is play all eight classes and move them through their class, companion, and planetary stories all at once. The goal is to find a playthrough that works chronologically. I'm not going for canon. I'm also not doing every single side quest or bonus series. I've gotten through most of the first chapter for everybody, which covers a lot of planets, and now I'm closing in on the end of Act 1. Before I begin, I want to warn you that I'm going to get into spoilers and plot points and play some clips. So if you haven't done all of the class stories or other stories that are part of the 1 to 50 experience, this is your cue to exit. For the rest of you, I want to start with a brief recap of the story. And just as a reminder, I'm going to refer to the characters as he or she based on the gender I chose for my characters. It just makes it easier to talk about them. There is absolutely nothing about the story that suggests you must choose a specific gender for a class, although there are certain story moments that you can only experience as male or female, and some of them are quite good. Here is the story thus far for the Republic. The Jedi Knight is tracking down Republic superweapons that have fallen into the hands of Darth Angrel and the Sith Empire. The Jedi Consular is searching for Jedi Masters who are afflicted with a Sith Plague created by an ancient Sith Lord named Tarek Morhaj. The Smuggler is on the galaxy's greatest treasure hunt as he traded smuggled goods for spaceship parts that will allow him to find the lost treasure of Nock Drayan. And finally, the Republic Trooper is trying to find the old members of Havoc Squad who defected to the Empire. And for the Empire, the Sith Warrior is on a desperate search to find the Padawan of Nomen Kar, an old rival of the Warrior's master, Darth Barriss. The Sith Inquisitor is traveling the galaxy, collecting artifacts that once belonged to the revered Sith Lord, Tulak Horde. The Inquisitor's master, Lord Zash, needs these artifacts to perform a mysterious ritual. The Bounty Hunter is tracking targets in the Great Hunt and taking out her rivals along the way. Soon it will just be her and the nefarious Taro Blood competing for the title of Champion. Finally, the Imperial Agent is attempting to dismantle a terrorist cell led by a man called the Eagle. The Eagle is responsible for the assassination of Darth Jadis, a powerful member of the Dark Council. That's the story thus far. The journey now takes us to the storied planet of Alderaan, where the royal houses find themselves embroiled in civil war. Alderaan is the final planet that everyone goes to before ending Act 1. The planet itself isn't the conclusion to Act 1. All eight heroes have off-world actions that bring an end to the first chapter. I'm going to talk about that as well as Alderaan. There is a recommended play order for Alderaan, which is Smuggler, Bounty Hunter, Republic Trooper, Imperial Agent, Sith Warrior, Jedi Knight, Sith Inquisitor, and Jedi Consular. And like many of the planets that came before it, you can pretty much throw this order out the window as it doesn't matter all that much. I do like the smuggler going before the bounty hunter. The reason for this is that the smuggler delivers the head of Darth Bandon to House Ald. In the bounty hunter story, the hunter visits the Ald Museum, and there in the museum is a head in a jar. It's not labeled, but it is the same artwork used for the head of Darth Bandon. It's inconclusive whether or not it's supposed to be the head that was delivered by the smuggler, but it's cool to think that it is. 
Keep in mind that Skavik actually delivers a fake head to House Ald before the smuggler arrives. It's possible that the head in the museum is actually the fake head. If that's the case, then the smuggler going first doesn't really matter. One argument against the head in the museum being the head of Darth Bandon is this conversation from the smuggler's story. Alderaan's current king is of the Ulgo family bloodline, and he reveres his ancestor Trask. The remains of Trask's murderer will be the perfect peace offering to our king. House Alda must have your head, uh, so to speak. As you can see from that conversation, the head wasn't intended to sit in the Ald Museum. Take it for what it's worth, but this is one of the things people point to as a potential chronological marker for Alderaan. The only other thing that dictates an order, or has an order, I should say, is the final part of the planetary story arc for the Republic and the Empire. The final part of the planetary story is the same for both the Republic and the Empire. You face off against Boris Ulgo and either kill him or arrest him. You'll have to choose one character to do this, and it should be the last thing you do on Alderaan. As far as who should do it, I don't think it matters all that much. So that's really it for Alderaan. After that, everyone goes and finishes Act 1, and again, there is no real order involved there. Each of the stories is self-contained, and everyone starts Act 2 around the same time. Granted, some characters are given some time off, but I don't think that affects much. As far as the endings themselves, most are pretty straightforward, and all of them are good. The Jedi Knight defeats Darth Ongrel and eliminates the threat of the superweapons. Along the way, he loses his master, Orgus Din. Before that happens, we are treated to one of the great moments in the entire game, and one that solidifies the relationship the knight has with Orgus. Taking down that Killick leader must have been quite a fight. Thing was huge. Master, I, I don't know what you're talking about. The giant Killick uh, leading these others. You didn't see it? That thing eats us. You're fired. The Jedi Consular learns that Lord Vivicar is in fact Parcanus Tark, the Jedi that the Masters who were afflicted by the plague left behind on Malachor III. Turns out that Lord Vivicar is really the ancient Sith Lord Tarek Moraj. His spirit is using Parcanus' body as a vessel. The Consular defeats Moraj and is named Barsinthor of the Jedi Order, a very prestigious title. The Smuggler discovers that Nock Drain is still alive. He was the man in carbonite that the smuggler has been carrying around in his ship this whole time. The smuggler also learns that Risha is the daughter of Nock. Anyway, the smuggler gets the treasure and the girl. Oh, and he gets rid of Skavik. The trooper locates Tavis, the final missing member of Havoc Squad, and brings him in for justice. On the Empire side, the Sith warrior locates Jason Willisom. He defeats her master, Noman Carr, and then recruits her to his team. Note you have the option of turning her to the dark side, which I prefer, or having you, or having her join you as a light side companion. The bounty hunter ultimately wins the great hunt and defeats Terrell Blood. As an additional bonus, you're named an honorary Mandalorian. The Sith Inquisitor gathers all of the artifacts and meets Lord Zash in the Dark Temple, where she is to perform her ritual. Turns out that Zash is really old and really ugly. The ritual will transfer Zash's spirit into the Inquisitor's body. The Inquisitor's spirit will in turn be forced out. 
thanks to the heroics of Kem Val, the ritual goes horribly wrong, and Zash finds her spirit transferred to Kem, and Kem is still there too. It's one of my favorite all-time moments in this game. Apprentice, what have you done to me? Why couldn't you just hold still for a few moments longer? Why couldn't you pull the monster off? I need to learn that ritual. That monster broke through my defenses, interrupted my concentration, and diverted the entire ritual. Five years of preparation, finding the right person, training them, researching the artifacts, gathering them, wasted! You were my legacy, my one chance to defeat death! You fool! You have ruined everything! The most complex ending is the Imperial Agents. The Agent discovers that Darth Jadis is in fact alive. When you confront him, you have the option to join him. If you do, you become the Hand of Jadis. Now I chose this option, although it's one I don't care for, but if you do, you'll get an additional mission or two as the story progresses, and one of them on Hoth actually mixes with the Jedi Knight story. I'll point that out when we get to Hoth, because it's actually kind of cool. So that's going to do it for Alderaan in Act 1. I probably won't start Act 2 next week. I want to take advantage of the double XP event that's going on and get these new characters a little leveled up. This year marks the 10th anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic. We still don't know what Bioware has planned for this big occasion, but I'm sure it won't disappoint. 2021 also marks the anniversary of another big moment in Star Wars, and that's the release of Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire. It was 30 years ago that I walked into a bookstore and my jaw dropped at the sight of a Star Wars display containing a bunch of hardbound books called Heir to the Empire. What you have to remember about 1991 is that there was no internet to speak of. Things like email, YouTube, and all forms of social media were not our sources of information. They just didn't exist. Unless you read the book section of the newspaper, there weren't a whole lot of ways to know that this book was coming. So seeing it there in the bookstore was such a wonderful surprise. Furthermore, Star Wars at the time was an afterthought. Everybody knew about it. Most people had seen the films, but it was no longer front and center in our pop culture minds. Heir to the Empire and its sequels changed that serving as a launch pad for the series of books, novels, and comics we have today, including The Old Republic. Prior to this, we had three films, the Han Solo trilogy by Doc Brian Daly, may he rest in peace, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, and a Lando Calrissian trilogy. All of these were separate adventures that didn't bring all the main characters together, nor did they really tie into the main story of Star Wars. In fact, Splinter of the Mind's Eye was meant to be a low-budget sequel to Star Wars, in the event that the movie flopped. Lucky for us, it didn't, and we got The Empire Strikes Back instead. Heir to the Empire was the first real story that brought all of the main characters from the films back together in an all-new adventure and in the uncharted galaxy that was post-Return of the Jedi. Zahn took us back to that galaxy far, far away for the first time in a long time, and it was glorious. That is until you realize you were going to have to wait a year before you could read Dark Force Rising, and then wait another year for The Last Command. It's truly a trilogy worthy of the Star Wars name, and for many fans out there, it is the true sequel to the original films. 
Timothy Zahn created Grand Admiral Thrawn, a truly iconic character who has made his way into canon and who I'm sure we have not seen the last of. Zahn didn't just invent Thrawn, but the, but the entire Chiss species, one of my favorites to play in the Old Republic. And if you recall, Charles, Charles Boyd and the entire Swotor writing team collaborated with Zahn on a Traitor Among the Chiss storyline. If you haven't read Heir to the Empire and its sequels, you really should. I honestly believe that Timothy Zahn is the man who saved Star Wars, and Heir to the Empire is the book that launched a thousand stories. Final note for today, big thanks again to Marcus from Working Class Nerds for hosting a community night. It was great fun, and I look forward to the next one. And final, final note, I'm off again for a brief vacay, so next podcast will likely be the second week of June. Enjoy your galactic season. And that's the state of the Old Republic for today. Let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 112 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SOTORpodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SOTORpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SOTORpodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Until then, remember the Sith Code. Cake is a lot.